The Crux of the Matter, Episode 23, VBS. Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, all things considered. All things considered. Still moving, doing all that fun stuff. S- still in the long process of moving to Southern California. And my family is not with me, so it's been a week. And I'm surviving just fine. Uh, the cats haven't caught on fire, and I haven't and you <laughs> done haven't anything. Caught on fire? I haven't destroyed myself or the condo or anything like that. So pizza. Oh, terrible, man. (laughs) Did I tell you I got pizza yesterday? It was just a wild guess on my part. It was just a wild guess. Yeah, I did a, um, I participate. I'm now at Concordia university in Irvine and I participated in a, a youth activity, kind of a recruitment activity. And I picked up some pizzas and it was my first taste of California pizza. And I shouldn't say it was terrible. It wasn't terrible. But I'm used to some some pretty excellent pizza wow. coming from Chicago. I was going to so say, it doesn't, it does, I can remember going to Giordano's with you on at least one occasion where I think one piece made it so that I had enough calories for like a week or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's just one style. But Chicago has a number of styles, but they're – I don't know what it is. I You know, it's just the, the, the love, the spices, the, the ingredients. Somehow Chicago pizza – deservedly has a reputation for excellent pizza. I completely concur. But we probably ought to get to our uh, more theological type topic at hand. And our topic for this week is every pastor's favorite topic, after strategic planning, that is. And that is the topic of Vacation Bible School, or VBS. Ah, yes. Um, I'm in, I'm kind of in the middle of VBS here at Holy Cross right now. This is the afternoon. So that's what I've been spending my mornings doing is, uh, is doing VBS. And every year I go through these, uh, I, I have this kind of ongoing interior dialogue where, I, and I don't know if this is like an angel devil thing or something else, but every year I go through this, is this worth it point? Mm. Is this um, given all of the time, the energy, the money, everything else, is it worth it? Uh, how many years do you think you've done VBS, Scott? Well, every year I spent in the parish. So um, I would say 12 or 13. Yeah. I mean, I don't. we didn't do one this year because I was leaving. Right. And um, so, yeah, we've done, we've, we've done or we've attempted probably um, – 12 or 13 times I've, that I've done. Quite a lot. It's a lot of Yeah, work. yeah. I mean, you've got a few more years on me in the parish, so you've probably done, what is that, 17, yeah, 18? Yes, in terms of years, but no in terms of number of VBSs because we had a number of years where we didn't do them at the Scion Kenosha. So I've probably done 12 to 14, something in that, okay. in that neighborhood. And... I don't know, Scott. I, I, at one level, any opportunity to teach and preach the Word of God to children is a good one. 
and yep. we, you know, we take it and we do it and rejoice in it. Um, at the same time, and this kind of ties into that strategic planning conversation from last week, we do always have to take, in my mind, a sort of sober minded look at what are our resources in a given place, both of time and of money and of space. And given those resources, what is it that that we want to try and accomplish and what's the best way to make that happen? And in my experience, at least, uh, most congregations have certain things that in their mind are, these are the things that a healthy congregation does. And if you don't do X, Y, Z, then somehow or another you are a failure as a congregation. And very, very often Vacation Bible School falls into that category of must do no matter what. Yeah, I totally agree. The couple of times that I can think of where we where we haven't done VBS, there was a lot of hand wringing. Um, you know, it, 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 there was a lot of, I would say, maybe even feelings of guilt. And, and it's what you're saying. It, it, that's really the root of it is that we feel that this is what churches do. And if we can't sustain that, if we can't do it because it's what we've always done or whatever reason, then it says we're failing or we're dying or or something really dire. And that might be true. <laughs> there might yep. be truth in it at times, at places and at times, you know, in churches that are shrinking, that are aging, probably won't do VBS. And that's that's just part of the natural lifespan of that congregation, perhaps. Other times it might be that the church is truly dysfunctional, that the church truly is, uh, you know, shirking its mission and having no interest in training up the next generation. I mean, that's very possible. But I think it can also just simply be what you're saying that, you know, not all churches have tons of people free during the day. I mean, that was always a challenge is I've got plenty of resources at my churches. The two churches I served, I had great laity. I had so I didn't I didn't really have any worry about finding decent people and good right, people right. with skills. And we had great kids and neighborhood kids and people that invited their neighborhood kids. We had money sometimes, <laughs> but, right. what, but, but, you know, but getting those people, because, um, if we do it during the day, like you're doing it and like I usually did it, that was always hard because people work and, and then, and VBS comes from a time and a generation when, when you had a lot more stay at home parents. I've never done a, uh, kind of a serious sit down look at the history of vacation Bible school. Having said that, I'm still going to speculate on what that history is, and I am uh, cautiously optimistic that I'm right on that. And that is that in in the Missouri Senate, at least, as you saw the transition going from German into English, and as you saw a tradition, a transition away from the every parish has its own parochial school. Yes. You saw those two things kind of coinciding or colliding, as it were. You saw the rise of two things take place. Uh, one was Sunday schools. If mm-hmm. I recall, the first Sunday school started appearing in like the 1880s or 1890s in Baltimore, of all places. And and then the, the first Sunday school ever. The first did you Sunday say in the Missouri school Senate? in kind of Missouri dumb in the Missouri Senate. Okay. Um, was in English and was in Baltimore um, under a pastor named William Dahlman. He was kind of a big 
big pastor in the English district for many, many decades, yeah. early decades, wrote a lot of books, all sorts of stuff. Um, kind of a wacky guy, frankly. But anyway, um, so you have that. And then probably a generation or two later, you had the rise of vacation Bible schools. And my guess is we're looking at the 50s. It may be, may be earlier, but if it's earlier than that, I doubt very much it was a lot earlier. Um, and so you had these Bible schools or Bible camps with the rise, probably largely in suburbia, of wanting to have a Bible camp for kids where you can't go out into the woods and have the sort of traditional camp experience. And so we're going to try to do this in a more urban or suburban setting. And, mm -hmm. and so you end up having this thing that has elements that are like a, a camp, you know, so you're going to have activities, you're going to have games, you're going to have crafts, you're going to have these sort of things and elements that are going to be closer to a Sunday school type experience. And mm -hmm. so you wet those two things together and you have vacation Bible school. That's my guess. If any of our dear listeners know otherwise or better, by all means, contact us at feedback at the crux of the matter dot net. And we would love to hear about it. But so you have this kind of thing that has uh, that sort of takes on a life of its own and becomes a barometer of the relative health of a congregation. When VBS goes well, the perception on the part of the congregation is that the congregation is thriving. When the VBS doesn't go well, whatever that means, and there are lots of different metrics that you can use for that, most of the time when you're talking about doesn't go well, there's only one thing that people think about. How many kids do you have? Numbers. Numbers. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't go well, then you're going to have the, what did we do wrong? And, and it almost becomes a microcosm of the church's struggles itself. And if the church is declining, uh, we're going to have these questions of identity. Who are we? What should we be doing? Do we need to change what we do? All of that stuff happens in vacation Bible school. And, and so VPS is always a, a very interesting, somewhat peculiar phenomenon for me. And I don't, um, as I said, I love the opportunity to meet and teach kids and work with children of lots of different ages. Um, but I don't like this sort of implied desperation measurement, sort of this is our token evangelistic outreach moment for the year. And all of that stuff that often goes along with Vacation Bible School, because in my mind, that's putting pressure on the congregation in a way that probably isn't healthy, at least not, in, not to my way of thinking. Well, because then that's when you get um, stunts, you know, because you can attract numbers by doing stunts. Sure. And I, you know, I, I confess that, um, you know, we made an effort. We really did, uh, at least in my mind, to attract students. You know, yeah. I mean, that was a it was very important. And so I did things, you know, when we had a budget, when we had some funding, I did things that are fun that I knew would be memorable, you know, like we had a petting zoo and, you know, it, you know, it was, it wasn't necessary for the lessons, but 
Um, it was something the kids really enjoyed. And, you know, we, we were in sort of an affluent suburban neighborhood where churches, I won't say have a one upmanship with one another, but you know, you want, right. It becomes a sort of a summer day camp daycare. Yes, that's ex- yeah, that's exactly right. It, I think a lot of times families see it as sort of like it's free, uh, usually. Although I discovered that it is sometimes now being right. there are fees now associated with with VBS, and I don't know. Did you do you do that? Do you do you charge people? No, I've never done any fees. No, me but either. But if you're, um, if you're talking about the big churches in the area, you better believe they charge. Fees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the big churches here in town literally does a carnival every year. Yeah. They hire a circus to come and run the VBS. So they definitely charge. That Yeah, that's amazing. Do you know if it's like just a couple of bucks or is it like a big, big deal? I think it's like $40 okay. for okay. the week. Yeah. But, I mean, you've got clowns and you've got – I mean, they get 5,000 kids to come to this. Yeah. It's insane, Scott. Yeah. It is utterly insane. Well, just as I don't despise a church that has three children, I don't despise a church that attracts 3,000. But right. you do have to start to ask questions, don't you? I mean, you know, anyone will go to a circus. And if the purpose is for the circus, um, then are we doing what churches do? Um, I don't have a problem with having clowns or petting zoos or doing fun things. They have a place in, in VBS, but it can overtake the teaching of the Bible stories. It can overwhelm the the gospel, at least in the minds of well, many. Yes, and that brings me to what I would consider my one of my bugaboos with VBS is that um, it, it easily lends itself to what I'll call a bait and switch mentality, where we try to bring people in under false pretenses. So if what we teach people in VBS is that church is exciting, yeah. and it's fun all the time, and that there's all kinds of insane energy, and you might get to go to a petting zoo or see a clown or pet a clown, I don't know, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, and then they come to church and all they get is the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Well, we've just taught them that reality is nothing like this fantasy land that they've been living in. Yeah. And so I am always leery of structuring something that is going to be outside of the regular experience of the life of the congregation, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about VBS or anything else. Now, uh, and like you. I am all in favor of petting zoos and clowns and whatever. I, I find petting clowns being kind of creepy, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I, I have no problem with those sort of things. As long as we're able to recognize that this is a unique event and that the clown petting or whatever it is, isn't happening in the sanctuary. Right. Right. And very often you will find in, in uh, materials that uh, VBS materials, you're going to find at best a murky relationship between play and worship and teaching Mm -hmm. that these things are all kind of mushed in together into one big thing in ways that I don't think that children can comprehend the distinctions. 
Nor adults, um, you know. <laughs> nor adults yeah, for that matter. Right, absolutely right. I and no, but I, th- you're right. You're you're right on. You're absolutely right on. I think that we live in a culture that wants to fun eyes. You know, make everything everything. We have to entertainmentize everything, and 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 the value of an experience is is judged by how amusing it is. You know, were we, you know, was it amusing? Was it pleasurable? Um, did it distract me? And sometimes there are things that I'm not against entertainment and amusement and, and humor and, and fun, but we, we can't let those things be the criterion by which we evaluate the word of God. Um, the, the, the stories of scripture, it, you know, it, it makes, it can make light of things that are intended to be weighty and not light. Right. And, and it can, right. it can make light. I mean, how do you, how do you convey the crucifixion of Jesus Christ without being a little sober? And, you know, it, it is good news. It is absolutely the gospel, but you, you, you know what I'm struggling for? It's like those, it's like of those course. precious moments figurines that used to be popular, you know, where, where they would take these biblical characters or Jesus and make them sweet. And that's not exactly right. There's something just off about it. And it can really, I think it can, if, you know, if there's no intervention, that kind of thing can actually harm a person's relationship with God instead of enhance their relationship with God. Well, and since we're on our um, we're on our curmudgeon kick here a little bit, I, I totally agree. And heaven knows, I'm all in favor of curmudgeonness. Um, where that is possibly more dangerous and damaging than anywhere else when it comes to PBS, our 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 two areas. One that you've talked about, the Word of God. That if we teach the Scriptures in a way that trivializes the Word of God, then then we've got trouble. Mm-hmm. We really do. This is why, you know, send your feedback. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Um, this is why I hate Veggie Tales. Yeah. I know you love Veggie Tales and you probably use them in sermons. And stuff. I don't think I've but ever I, actually watched a Veggie Tales, to be honest. Well, that's probably just as well. Yeah. But what Veggie Tales has done and done for, I don't know, 15 years, 18 years, maybe something like that, in my mind, is under the pretense of teaching the stories of the scriptures have turned every story into at best a moral lesson. That's probably the the best that you could ask for. And at worst, a simply trivialized version or caricature of the story where if you ask a three-year-old who is Goliath and the answer is Goliath is a giant pickle. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. I just don't buy that that is actually teaching the story. Uh, yeah. And in the same way, even if you're not, even if you are teaching the story soberly and carefully, it's very, very easy to take, take the stories of scriptures and in trying to teach them to different ages to kind of have the, have the point lost. Perfect example of that is a parable. Mm-hmm. Okay, parables, as we as we know, uh, repeatedly from the scriptures, are not actually intended to make things clearer, mm-hmm. but are intended to confuse and obfuscate. So, if I am using a parable 
as a way of making something clearer, I'm not sure that I'm actually doing the parable as God intended. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you're you're right. I, I mean, I always think, of, since you mentioned the Goliath story, if we want to be, now I understand you do have to edit uh, as a parent, as a pastor, there are times when we edit what we say to small children, <laughs> Sure. You know, of, of course, in the Goliath story, we're not going to have the Judah and Tamar story. No, no, or in in VBS, or, or the Goliath story is just to stick with that one. Um, and I don't know; I really haven't. I have no memory of ever viewing a Veggie Tales. I'm aware of what it is, but I don't. I don't know what they how they treat these stories. I really don't, other than what I'm going to guess. But that story ends with a horrific image. If you will recall, I mean, David kills him with a shot to the head and then cuts his head off. And this is the good news of the story (laughs) is the death of Goliath. And it's not just a sweet tale. You can you can tell these things in way you can tell the facts of the story. You can tell the information of the story in a way that makes it more of a fairy tale um, or makes it more of just sort of a sweet myth. When in fact, these are, they have mythic elements, but these are not always sweet. And sometimes the sweetness is there amidst a lot of other stuff. And so it's just very difficult to, it's it's a difficult endeavor to take biblical stories like Noah's flood or, um, you know, the death of Jesus Christ and, 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 can sanitize them in such a way. And I think that's what we, we, and so that's why we go to moralism because that is easier to do. It's, it's, it feels like we're being biblical when we do it um, because we, because we're quoting the Bible and, you know, it, it, it feels like we're being faithful and we're conveying the message and, and they may be walking out of there knowing that Goliath was a giant. They may learn some information, but are they learning about the victorious king Christ who defeats our enemies? Maybe. I mean, I'm not. I'm not willing to say that it can't be done. Um, and, and I, I know I always made a level of effort, and I'm sure that you do. Um, I'm sure that the kids who come to your VBS are learning about their savior. I, I don't. I don't doubt that. So, but you're probably not showing them, like you said, Veggie Tales. Do you remember that book? I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago that. Uh Robert Bennett edited called the book of virtue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a, I have occasionally thought when it comes to vacation Bible schools that what we, what we really are doing is having vacation fable schools Mm -hmm. that were essentially using the scriptures like Esau's fables Mm -hmm. and teaching them with a moral, you know, they've got a, they've got a, a, a sort of pithy point to them, which is, you know, which is, is cute and, and nice and easily contained and something that could be taken home in a craft. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I don't want our dear listeners to mishear me in any of this. I started off by saying, I love the opportunity to teach the word of God to children of all ages. And that is still true. Yeah. Um, what I'm, what I'm kind of curmudgeonly about right now is, is how hard it is to do it well and faithfully to actually faithfully teach the text and to do so with energy, with, with good humor, not making it more or less than it is. Um, it is a, it is a great challenge. And I commend anyone who is making the attempt, Mm -hmm. even if, uh, even if someone may zig when I zag and all of this, um, it, it is hard, hard work to do well. 
And we always have to keep in the forefront of our minds what we're actually trying to accomplish in order to do that well. Because if my goal of doing it well is to make it so that the kids go away and are happy, that is a goal. That may even be a good goal. Um, I'm not sure if that's the church's goal. Yeah. Yeah. And right. that's kind of the danger. Um, I said, you know, way back that, that I thought that there were two big dangers. One is how we teach the word of God. The other, uh, which really is a danger is how we teach music. Mm-hmm. And that's perhaps more than anywhere else where you're going to get the ultimate bait and switch. That is that, um, most VBS curricula that I have seen use an entirely different vocabulary and selection of music from what traditional Lutheran churches use on Sundays. And so we teach uh, songs and, and music and a, um, an attitude toward singing and music that uh, is not something that, that in most cases we would expect or want on Sunday morning. Well, what are we doing? By doing that, I would argue we are teaching children to hate church. And I'm no expert, Scott, but I think that's a bad idea. Yeah. So, so how do we go about doing that with energy, with enthusiasm, doing it well? Don't you know? I'm not suggesting that every that that we should only teach um, 17th century Baroque or proto Baroque. Uh, hymns. I'm not saying that. But how is it that what we do during the week, whether we're talking about DDS, Sunday school, or in an elementary school or preschool or whatever, how is it that all those things flow out of the divine service and in turn flow into the divine service? Yeah. So now that yeah. you're a professor and you've got all the answers, right? how? Yeah, right, right. You know, and and that's why we we struggle sometimes to find curricula too, because we want to find the material that's going to. I think with children, of course, you're gonna you're gonna point to baptism. I, you know, that that's simply what we're going to do. Even though we know that a lot of sure. the the families that come to our church may or may not be from our church or from a church that practices child baptism or infant baptism, but um, it, you know, to me, the successful VBS if you will want to use a term like that is a VBS that, that does tell the, tell the story. I think telling story, the Bible stories are a powerful thing, very powerful thing. I'm just afraid of how we treat the Bible stories and, and that we might actually miss the point at times in the way we treat them. Right. And, um, but I think if we point uh, where, if they are learning Bible content, if they are learning about the savior, if they are hopefully being pointed to baptism and, and you make an excellent point about the music too. And, and I'm okay personally with, with music that is written for children, but not music that is childish or, or music that is, um, vapid, you know, it has to have some, it has to have some content. And that's where I, the way you can tie it to the divine service, in my opinion, is by tying it to holy baptism um, sure. and making sure that you have music that is strong on that. And it, it, it might be simple music, but that doesn't even necessarily mean it can't be used in the divine service. Um, I, 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 personally, I wouldn't have a problem if, if, there was, if there were hymns that were simpler, that were written with children in mind that we sometimes may use at a baptism or something like that, or may use in the divine sure. service. Oh yeah. I right. don't, I don't disagree on that. Yeah. 
with you. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be organ music. I mean, I, that's what my churches, we use the right. organ. That was our primary musical instrument. But um, I think you can use different instrumentation. Um, but when we, when we make everything, again, it comes back to that fun element where everything is evaluated by how amusing it is. You know, we think the songs are good if they were jolly and happy, regardless of what they said. And we think the songs are bad, you know, if, if we don't, if we're not bumping around and dancing. Well, let me give me an example, Scott, of, of how we do that with different instrumentation during Vacation Bible School. Uh, this week, as I said, we're doing VBS. And um, what we're ending up doing during VBS is that my wife, Catherine, who's kind of the music person for us, uh, is using what are called choir chimes to get the kids involved in making music for this. Choir chimes, I don't know. Are you familiar with choir mm-hmm. chimes? Yeah, I know yeah, what they're they are. Kind of yeah, they're they're kind of like handbells, only they're uh, they're they're essentially long rectangles. They look sort of like a small I beams or something like that. Uh, the tremendous advantage that the choir chime has is that they are essentially indestructible, mm-hmm. and so they are absolutely perfect for working with children. And so she has each grade or each class will do a different hymn and will help to get the other classes to learn it. The way that they do that is that each class will take, um, will, will learn some, some music to work along with this. And so she's able to do all sorts of fun music stuff, teaching chords and, and all kinds of things. And it can be anything from the first, second graders all the way up through seventh grade. And depending on whether, how simple or complicated it is, um, you know, if they're, if they've only got three or four things, then they can kind of play whenever they want. And if they're in the chord, it's okay. Um, um, I have, uh, found that to be really nice. And what that really does is teaches them that making music is not simply the realm of experts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this isn't just something that the organist does and gets paid for, blah, blah, blah. Or the recording artist on the, on the CD. Or the recording artist, artist, exactly. Um, but that this is something that people do, including, yes, even you, and that this can be done well, Mm -hmm. and it can be done in a way that is, that is beautiful. And so there, it's really a lot of fun. I, I always enjoy that part. And they're able to do music that otherwise, I think would be would come across as either boring slash pedantic, or at the least uninteresting. Yeah. Stuffy. No, stuffy, whatever. Now, the challenge with that, I don't think is actually the music part of it. Um, I think that the challenge is the text. Mm. Because if if you have a hymn, let's let's say this week, this week, we're learning the uh, Stephen Starkey today. We praise you and acknowledge you. One of my favorite new pieces or newer pieces in uh, in Lutheran service. It's a great, great setting. Beautiful. Um, it is very wordy. You know, it's four stanzas. There's no repetition. There's no, there's no refrain or antiphon or anything like that. And it uses, it uses some really big words. Yeah. And the result of something like that is that it is harder to teach to younger kids. Doesn't mean you can't do it. 
it means that it's it means that it's work and it requires a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm on the part of the uh, on the part of the teacher to pull it off and their level of understanding is going to be different because of the because of the level and the quantity of the text yeah I, does it does i love that idea that's um, you know we've done similar things with rhythm instruments and ORF instruments and, and, and different right, things right. that that are very suitable for kids to use and are not, um, you know, you can do good songs, good music, good hymns with that, and right. and they and they enjoy it. Like you said, they're participating and they're learning about music as something that people do. Like you said, and I I think that's great. I, I you know, there on the one hand, there are those who want to dumb down everything. And on the other hand, there are those who never want to simplify anything and, you know, and right. only want the most Baroque, the most, you know, ornate, elaborate, elaborate. right, exactly. exactly. And, and I think we can have, there's a time and a place to use some simpler words. You know, if you're talking to children, right. you can use some simpler words. It doesn't mean, that's why it would be nice if we were writing hymns, children's hymns, and not not just for kids, but you know, with kids in not mind, childish, not childish hymns. hymns. There's a difference. Yes, yes. I think you can write a children's hymnal that will have hymns that the whole congregation can sing, and but that will be selected for children's limited understanding. I think yeah. it can be done, it, it, right? And there's something there's something to be said for that. There's also and. You know, per our conversation before about how all of Scripture is inspired, that doesn't mean that all of Scripture should be used for teaching completely interchangeably right. at any given moment. Exactly. Um, and it requires wisdom both in dividing law and gospel properly and in being apt to, pe- to teach, mm-hmm. as St. Paul puts it. Right. So uh, I really want to end this, this kind of VBS discussion on – We've we've talked a little bit about the about the challenges of VBS, and I think it would be easy easy for our dear listeners to hear this as kind of uh, being curmudgeonly. And heaven heaven knows I have plenty to be curmudgeonly about. I'm not going to deny that. But what I really want to highlight is the incredible opportunity that we have as pastors to teach and deliver the Word of God. To young people, um, it is a gift beyond all, all things, especially for those of us pastors that spend most of our time teaching adults. Yeah, and I think that, and and I could be wrong on this, Scott, but I think most pastors spend most of their time teaching adults and very little time teaching children, and that, and in many ways, that's really too bad because children are far more teachable than adults. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can um, be a lot of fun, and you, it's enjoyable if you go at it with the right spirit. It can it can be a lot of fun, but just to just a riff off of your, it's not just about fun. Yeah. <laughs> it can also be fruitful yeah. and beneficial. By which I mean that children are are much more apt to learn. They are mm-hmm. they are at an age when they're capable when they're. They're open to learning. They are in, if you will, a posture of learning. Uh, they're used to being taught. They're ready. And so it is much easier to teach a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old 
than it is to teach an 80 year old. True. It that, just is. Yeah. And, and so any pastor that has the opportunity to by hook or by crook interact with these, with these children, it's a gift. And I think that it is worth the effort. Yeah. Amen. I think so too. So we're voting in favor of VBS then. I'm going to give VBS a, uh, a, a, a cautious thumbs yeah. up, um, recognizing that, that there are challenges and that there are opportunities for mess up Sure. Um, ultimately I think that it's worth the effort because of the opportunity to teach these children and frankly, to teach all of the other adults who are helping on how to do this well and be, and be churchly and faithful and also energetic and maybe even a little bit silly along the oh, way. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Good one indeed. Um, for our dear listeners, a uh, reminder that we are at the crux of the matter dot net slash podcast slash 23. That's where you will find this episode. If you have any feedback about uh, about VBS, uh, good, bad, ugly um, thoughts on how to on how to do this or why, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at feedback at the crux of the matter dot net. You can also find us on Facebook. Just type in crux of the matter. Or you can find us on Twitter. Uh, it's I think it is the crux of the mat, which is sort of an odd name, but I haven't come up with something better. Uh, so you can find us in a lot of different ways. You can also go to the webpage and get a hold of Scott and I directly if you like. Um, at this point, I'd like to uh, move our move our show over to the next section, which is the uh, which is the joy bringers along the way. This is the part of the show where we kind of talk about something that is uh, giving us joy or happiness as we are. Uh, as we are in the show, you're kind of in the middle of moving, so it could be that you're finding all sorts of things that you didn't even realize you had that brought you joy. But uh, so, what's bringing you joy, Scott? Well, um, this week I'm going to use a device. I've been doing books and I've given you podcasts, but I've got a gadget today. Excellent, okay. my favorite. Yeah, I know you like gadgets. So um, now, so what is okay, it? all right, it is a Bluetooth speaker. That is waterproof. Uh, it's it's set up for using in the shower or the bath or the swimming pool. I use mine in the shower, and I just got it. It's by <laughs> Mui Tech M O O I Tech. I think that's a Danish company or could be Dutch, and um, okay. um, it works really well. So what I do when I want to listen to my first things podcast, which is um, well, I mean, I don't take an hour long shower, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not in California. It, no, for sure not. But, um, you know, you're probably a Republican. Too. Yeah. Anyway, so, go so I can, it sticks to the wall. It has a nice little, um, suction cup on the back. So you get it wet and you can adhere it to the wall and it, it has very good volumes, even though it's small. And, you know, so you can hear clearly, you can listen to music or whatever, but I like to listen to podcasts and I can get at least little bits of it done. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't, there are moments when I just feel like, you know, I wish I could, there was some way I could be more productive while I'm brushing my teeth or, you know, <laughs> while I'm ironing my socks or something. And, um, I've been, so you are not a believer in the unitask <sighs> mindset. I, it depends on the task. Okay. You All know, right, and if, if I'm washing my hair, I can listen to something at the same time. 
And uh, so that's what I, I love it. It's, it was a, it was a recent gift and it's a waterproof Bluetooth speaker called Mui tech. I recommend it. Okay. I love it. I love it. And we'll have an, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, since we're doing a, this isn't quite a gadget, but it is something that I use all the time. I'll show, show it to you, Scott. This is a, uh, it's a keyboard, mm-hmm. um, made by Logitech. It's called a Logitech K811. I don't know what the uh, Windows number is, but I know that they have one. Uh, so it's a wireless keyboard, Bluetooth. Um, what makes this one unique is that you can pair it with three devices at one time and switch between them. Hmm. So, for example, um, I typically have my my computer set up and I have my my phone and an iPad that are kind of around me at different times. Uh, if I am uh, texting with someone or if I'm watching something on one screen and I'm working on another, all I have to do is push one button and I switch from using the computer to using the iPad. And it is really, really handy. I find that I use this all the time. And I am a, totally a keyboard nerd. I'm sure that our listeners are shocked to hear that. I've always been a fan of Logitech keyboards. And this is this is one that it's small, compact. I, you can easily throw it in a backpack or whatever. Pretty indestructible. And uh, and that feature of being able to switch between them is a, is a really neat one. It's probably my... It's certainly my favorite portable keyboard that I've seen in a long time. Anyway, Logitech K811. Nice. We'll put, a, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's a it's a good one. It's a good one. So, do you have any final words for our listeners, my friend? No, just that uh, please know that we're in favor of doing ministry for children. Um, we, we, <laughs> we don't want to come across as being anti-child in any way. It's just that, you know, we, we get used to doing things in a certain way and we think that that's the only way or that it's from God just because we've been doing it that way. And I'm referring to VBS or Sunday school and we think these things are sacrosanct when they do bear at times some examination. Yeah, always worth doing a little evaluation. Yep. Uh, we are in favor of ministry and care to children, but it does not mean that we are in favor of infant communion. No, true. Um, maybe maybe we can take that up as a topic another time. At least I'm not in favor of it. I don't know what you Southern Californians think about yeah. this. Yeah, I, I, I'm not with that one. <laughs> um, you're not with that one either. No. We'll, ta- we'll tackle that one another time. In the meantime, dear friends, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.